Um, before I get started, I almost forgot to mention a couple of things. First of all, our, our guest drummer is, is Martin's son, Martin Jr., man. Thank you, Martin. Amen. And that was a blessing. Also, um, if you haven't heard, um, Amy, one of our worship singers, she had her baby, uh, Patricia, and she named the baby after her mom, who, who unexpectedly uh, passed away at a very young age, I think it was like 54, um, but she named the little girl Patricia. So if you haven't seen the picture uh, on the Facebook, and I said, hi, Patricia, I welcomed her in, amen. So she was there, and that was a trip. And one more thing, um, Eric and Vanessa, right? I mean, I'm Jasmine. I, 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 sorry, where's Vanessa at? There's Mike. Oh, Mike's here. Eric and Jasmine, they're over there hiding. They're, they're, they do the, the, all the um, audio and the, the, the sound back there. But uh, they, they, they uh, came to us, and me and my wife, and announced that they, um, they're getting married. So, you know, before, so uh, uh, I didn't want to, uh, so they're getting married. Hallelujah. And that's my great, if you got it, that's my great niece, right? Is that how they said? Great niece. So, uh, you know what that means? I'm getting old. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm getting old. So, a lot of uh, good things, uh, good, good, good uh, things are happening. So, I was just so blessed to, to to be a part of that. Do you have your book of Revelation, chapter 2? Amen. Revelation, chapter 2, verse 2. Let's read through verse 5. I know all the things you, you do. I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the clan of those who say they are apostles but are not. You have discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. But, say but, but I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Father, we thank you and we're always careful to give you the honor, the glory, and the praise. And I ask that you just once again touch your people and minister to the lives, Holy Spirit. Let us be better than we were yesterday. Let us grow and continue to grow in your grace and your mercy. In Jesus' name I pray. We all said, amen. amen. And, um, you know, I, I've been speaking for a while on, on the Holy Spirit, but you can't have a relationship with, with God without relationships with people. And um, it's so vital, it's so very important. And, and I think oftentimes, um, because people can get under your skin, right? People get in your face. Uh, we kind of like shun people. And, and sometimes, you know, to the extent we don't even want to deal with them. And that's very dangerous because um, uh, those people that get under your skin that you want to stay away from are, are some of the very people that, that Christ uh, gave his life for. So you, they go hand in glove. And so the, these people here in Revelation, the, the author, the John, is talking to these people, and, and, he, and he's saying, look, you've done a lot of good things. Right? He goes, but, and he said, you don't love me 
And then he goes, and each other. See, God always deals with people and churches in, in relation to the relationship with each other. See, in a world, or let's put it this way, in the world, you know, when people get in your face, you can get in their face. You can give them a piece of your mind. You know, some of you might even go even a step further. You can cuss them out. You can do anything you want. But as believers, we're, we're, we're told and we're, 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 we're taught that we can't do that anymore. In fact, Jesus said, you have to love your enemies. Right? So we, we, but if we can't handle like we're used to handling it, maybe before Christ, as a Christian, we still can't let conflicts go unresolved. In other words, we just can't be nice. We, we have to deal with conflict somehow. Anybody ever been in a conflict with a brother or sister, right? Well, how do you, you know? And I'm going to tell you something. Your happiness will be more greatly determined by your ability to relate with one another than by any other single ingredient, right? Because you're going to have to deal with them, right? The contentment that you find from life will always be from your ability to relate with others in a positive way, right? And there's a reason why God brings people next to you. There's a purpose for our relationships. God doesn't want us to be isolated. He doesn't want us to be alone. Isolation is very, very difficult, very, very dangerous. The old analogy of a of a barbecue. Now, nowadays you have gas barbecues, but before they used to use charcoal. Might still use charcoal. But if you take that charcoal and it get red hot, but you take that one coal, if you get that one charcoal and you remove it from the rest of them, that one charcoal will slowly but surely lose its heat. It'll go cold, right? It's the charcoals that remain together that stay on fire. And see, God understands that if people are the same way, if the enemy can isolate you, eventually your fire will fade. When people begin to, to, to miss the fellowship, if they don't think church is important, well, it is important. It's important, why? Because somehow, someway, it keeps the fire going. Because if you stay long enough away, you'll grow cold. And then you'll say, oh, man, i got to get back to church. And you get back to church, and the fire comes back on, and then you're back on fire, then the enemy will do what it can to isolate you. We need to have relationships because isolation is not good. All right? So when we have negative relationships, and this is what the enemy uses, we tend to withdraw. Right? And we all have that one special loved one or friend who we just don't want to be around. Hello? Oh, is that just me? You know what I mean? It's like, oh, God, here comes sister so-and-so, Run. You know, or brother, you know, brother is going to come here. Let's get out of here. But we can't get in that habit, right? See, Christianity is the intermingling of a holy God and an ungodly world, right? Because we're in this world. We're not of the world, but that's Christianity. We're in an ungodly world, and somehow we have to mingle this ungodly world with the holiness that we're trying to follow. And in between... We got each other. Relationships, right? So when we leave the prayer closet and encounter people, we ha that's when we experience true Christianity. If we just pray and we come out and we just stay away from people, that's not Christianity. That's a fake, that's a fraud. But when we leave our prayer closet, then we encounter people. Now we're walking, we're learning how to live the Christian life. When we leave church, we run into life 
And life can be difficult. How many can say amen? amen. Praise the Lord. You know, you get in that rut race and it can, it can wear on you. But people, despite that, people are a needed ingredient in your relationship with God. John Maxwell said years ago, spiritual growth begins in isolation, but it never matures there. What, what are you saying? When you first come to God, your growth will, will, will be nurtured in isolation. That will be between you and Him. And you're starting off, but it can never mature there. you got to get out and deal with people. Right? you got to share your faith. Proverbs 27, 17 illustrates that when it says, Iron sharpens iron. A friend sharpens a friend. Right? Your maturity develops when you interact. And when you interact with other people, we need help. How many of them need help? I mean, Adam needed a helper. God gave him Eve. Christians need help. Jesus established a church. Why? And he also told us that we would have the Holy Spirit because we need help if we're going to have relationships, right? Spiritual insight. You know, you can gain some spiritual insight by yourself, but when you have others to bounce your ideals off and bounce whatever God has given to you, all of a sudden your spiritual insight is developed better, much better, in a group of two or more. That's why we have life groups. Why? So you can begin to bounce ideas because if you don't have somebody to balance you, you can come up with some strange ideals left to yourself, right? But somebody else, your friends, you get into fellowship, and you, you know, I read this in Scripture, and God said this, and you come up with a strange ideal, then you can have a friend who said, what the heck are you talking about? Calm you down and say, let's bring, bring some balance to what you're thinking here. So in a group, in a council, many there's wisdom. But if you're left to yourself, you can come up with some strange ideals. Amen. Oh, yeah, if you, you take your time and begin to look at history, there has been some strange ideas. I've, I've seen the barking movement in Christianity. If you've been around, I mean, they actually barked at the altar call. I go, what, are you kidding me? They were barking. They all started in Canada, but that's another message. Uh, I, I've seen the, 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 the sword of the spirit movement. I've seen all kinds of movements. And those are fine and dandy, but you know what? We're called to, to be a follower of Jesus Christ. We're called to, do, to strive toward righteousness, to strive toward holiness, and relationships develop that. It's not just me and God. No, it has to be you, God, and others. Right? And here he tells them, well, let me get back. Every one of us has tried our best to do something right. Just to have somebody misinterpret what you were trying. Ever felt that you ever have been there? Right? And this leads to conflict. And so when you do that and you have a conflict, then right away our first knee-jerk reaction is, I don't need this no more. No, 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 no. That's not your cue to you don't need this more. That's your cue to figure out, how do I solve this? How do I make this better? How do I get better? Or how, how can we, I use this conflict that is bugging me to make me better? See, Revelation 2, 4, he says, I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Verse 5, look how far you have fallen from your first love. Turn back to me again and work as you did at first. If you don't, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. That's how critical. He said, look, if you don't get your relationship together with people, with each other, I'm going to come and just leave. 
I'm going to remove your lampstand. And listen, my friend, we can't be, because it could happen to us, but we don't want to be one of those churches where God is no longer there. And there are many. We don't want, we, we, and just because there are many, we don't want to be one of them. Why? And it begins with what? How are we going to treat each other? Are we going to love each other? Are we going to just, just tolerate each other? What are we going to do with this God that we've called our Lord? What are we going to do with it? See, the, these kind of questions will determine if we're going to have the presence of the Holy Spirit or not. Or just a gathering of people, maybe good people, but it's just a gathering. I don't want a gathering of good people. I want a gathering where the presence of God there. And I want a bunch of wicked people there. Can I say that again? I want a church where there are good people there, but I want some wicked folk in there too. Why? So we can get them near into the presence of God and transform their life and do something with them. Why do you think I love the home? I love the home, but I don't trust none of you. I, I got saved, but I didn't get stupid. Why? Because we have to, we have to bring wicked people in the presence of a holy God. And hopefully that holy God will change, will deal with that wickedness. Yeah, I'm talking to all of you. It'll deal with that wickedness in you and transform you. That's the power. That's the proof that the presence of God is here. And that's what we need, relationships like that. Hmm? Relationships. So John offered a solution. He said, turn back to me again and work as you first did. You know, when I first got saved, I was crazy for Jesus. And sometimes we get saved. And all of a sudden, we've been around a little while, and all, then we get sophisticated. Oh, I can't do that no more because, you know, I've been, I'm more mature. You're not mature. You're more stupid. When you encounter God, that first time, I was radical. I want to tell everybody. Somehow, we get fooled by other people that have been around and are fooling you, and they take that fire out of you. You can't let that fire go. You got, I, I always go back to when God touched me. Because listen, when God touched me, I tell people a lot of times, oh, man, I'm so grateful God touched me. Why? Because right now, I'd stab you. I, I, I'm serious. I'm, I'm, I go, because God took that out of me. But sometimes people get under my grill, and I go, oh, you don't, just don't know where I came from. You don't know how God delivered me. You know, the violence that I was around, the drug abuse I was around, uh, the, the mayhem, the murder, all that God delivered from me. And so I got to remind myself what God took me out of, and it makes me happy again. I was like, whoa, man, God delivered me. See, now, I'm, now I look, you know, cleaner than the Board of Health, right? I, I got, God delivered me. I got me some education, right? People say, well, you know, because, hey, listen, I came from the ghetto. And now I got two masters and, and working on my doctorate, right? And, but I came from the ghetto. I didn't know I was going to do all that stuff. But I look back. I go, wow, look what God has done. That's a miracle, and so I get grateful all over again. And so I can't understand how people can't be grateful. See, I know that when I get down and out and get tired of people, I got to turn back to my first love. Albert, where were you when I saved you? What were you doing? How were you feeling? Huh? That's his solution. He shared what they could do to get their relationship back on track. See, God wants to use people, and we have to, like, what? I tell people all this time. If we paid attention, people are always telling themselves. We just got to watch. Well, the same is true for us. If we paid attention, God will reveal your weaknesses through other people. He'll bring people around you, and he'll show you what you need to do better. 
That thing, you know, that thing that we really dislike in a person is often your weakness. That's why you don't like them. You ever heard of, I know the kind of people. Of course you know those kind of people because you is that kind of people. All right? What's the old adage? Takes one to know one. Right? And so God will begin to reveal your, your weaknesses through others. You remember Jacob? Jacob in the Bible, he was called a deceiver, and he deceived his brother Esau, and he connived, he connived out of the blessing from his dad. He, he wouldn't kill an animal, put fur in his, head, in his arm, so his dad would think it was his other brother. He connived and jived. He was a great conniver, and he connivers in the house. Well, once he, he took off to his uncle Laban's house, and he ran as fast as he could, and when he got there, he found out that his uncle Laban was a better deceiver than him. Because his uncle deceived him. Jacob worked for seven years. Now, that's pretty heavy. He worked for seven years to marry a girl. Right? And he, was, he, he wanted to marry Rachel. So, I don't know how she looked, but she must have been fine. I mean, she, to work seven years for a woman, well, she must have been really pretty. She went like a 10 plus, 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 plus. Right? So he goes and he works for seven years. He goes, yeah, come on, uncle, I got your back. And he worked and he worked like a, like a rented mule. He worked and worked and worked and worked. Seven years later, it was dark. The moon was out. He was prepared. And what did his uncle do? He conned him. He gave him Leah instead of Rachel. Now, Rachel said it was pretty, but they said Leah, I don't know what this means, but she had weak eyes. Well, that must have meant, I think that's like Hebrew for she was ugly. Whether she was ugly or not, this was not the girl that he worked for. But he got deceived. Why? Because God had to take that deceptive spirit out of Jacob. So he used somebody just like him to deal with him. I tell people, you know, don't be too rebellious. Why? Because if you, if you don't start, you know, submitting and doing things how you should, God might bring about four or five of you to deal with you. He'll bring them right next to you. You know, I might even let you have one be birthed, and you might even call it your son. But somehow God is going to use a relationship to get that thing out of you. Hello, somebody. It says in Genesis 29, I like this, in verse 16, it says, When morning came, there was Leah. So Jacob said to Laban, What is this you have done to me? I served you for Rachel, didn't I? Why have you deceived me? Jacob, the one who had deceived his brother, now is being deceived himself. God knew that Jacob needed to have that weakness of his own life exposed. So he exposed it through someone else. So when somebody gets you a little agitated, agitated, aguitao, right, God may be just trying to help you out. Because this is you. And he wants to, why? God's intent is always to make you better. Right? And he wants to work to make you better. Hmm. So you got to take it. Quit blaming somebody else, this person. God just may be exposing a weakness in your life. In fact, if you continually have relationship problems or you, you continually have this one certain conflict, you ever heard, you know, you always have this one kind of conflict going on. It may just be you're the problem, especially if the conflict is always following you. It's easy to tell. You see people, that, well, this sister, man, she's always... Fighting with everybody. And she goes here, she leaves and goes to another place, and she's fighting with these people. All of a sudden, you got to figure out, like, you know what? Maybe it's not the people. Maybe it's the person. 
And if that's you, you got to say, okay, God, what do I got to do to stop it? Because this problem keeps following me. No, the problem isn't following you. You're the problem. Oh, ouch. Say, ouch. Now, that may not be you. That may be for your neighbor, not for you. Okay? But you have to quit blaming others. Don't com- and in fact, don't compare yourself with other people. 2 Corinthians 10 uh, reads like this, 10, 12. Don't worry. I wouldn't dare say that I am as wonderful as these other men who tell you how important they are. But they are only comparing themselves with each other and measuring themselves by themselves. What foolishness. Huh? See, we have this tendency to, instead of uh, using situations to make us better, we say, well, at least I'm not as bad as them. You ever do that? I, when I first got saved, I used to say that. I, I thought I was like Jesus when I first got saved because I, I, quit, I quit getting high and it didn't want to hurt nobody. And I said, I'm like Jesus. No, I didn't understand. And then I look, oh, look at these people. At least I like that no more. And I would, I would try to give myself credit for not wanting to punch somebody. And, and the Holy Spirit real, real quickly said, you do not get credit for being normal. I thought being normal, you don't, got nothing, you don't got nothing for acting like a human being, being respectful. You don't get credit for that. That's how you're supposed to act. Now he wants to take you to a deeper level and bring spiritual disciplines into your life. Right? See, there's three types of people that might have a tendency to compare themselves to others. And this is not you. One would be a teenager. You know, peer pressure. They're always comparing. You know, you can't just wear any kind of clothes. You've got to wear the, the ink clothes. The clothes, you know, you can't buy your, your shoes at Payless Shoe Source. That would be embarrassing. You have to have a, a Nike or Under Armour or some kind of label on it because peer pressure for teens is very big. Right? But I understand that. But another group of people could be women. Now, don't get mad at me, women. Because women have a tendency to compare themselves with each other. When a, I, I feel sorry for new women that come into the church. Because when a, and this is, this is really related, you got to well, stop this. When new women come to the church, and bam, every woman's checking her out. Looking at her shoes, looking at her walk. Is her, is her hair too long? Is her clothes too tight? Is her makeup too thick? Stop it. Huh? That's a, that's a very bad thing to compare yourself to other people. Leave them alone. Right? Be grateful to come to church. Let God deal with them. You're not the Holy Ghost. Amen? Move on. Another people that compare themselves are highly competitive people. Now that more, most likely, most, most of the time are men. But, you know, the generations have changed. Because men were very, very, very competitive. But this new generation, women get very competitive now. Because they're in, the, they're in the workplace and all that stuff. So it's changing. But those highly competitive people. And when I'm saying that, see, comparing yourself with others, I said all that to say this, it's not healthy. You're not called to compare your, with your life with everybody else. No, no, no. God wants to deal with you personally. And you just worry about you and him. Not you and him. And Well, at least I ain't like that one. Or at least I ain't doing that. Well, look at her and look at him. No, 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 no. Like I said, you got to compare yourself with him. And if you spend enough time comparing yourself with him, you'd have no time to compare yourself with other people. In fact, I will say this. If you have enough time to compare yourself to other people, you haven't spent enough time with God. Hmm? 
We're made different. We have different personalities. Huh? We just got to thank God for our differences and leave people alone. Right? Because you're going to have these things, you're going to have these conflicts, and if you're not careful, you can get a bitter spirit. Uh, and God wants to remove bitterness from our relationships. I think when you deal with relationships, bitterness is the, is the number one killer. See, if you've got bitterness in your life, you need to blow it up. Huh? Bitterness will kill you. It'll destroy a relationship, but it'll kill you. And, and there's a difference between anger and bitterness. The anger comes and goes. Bitterness gets a root. It stays. So I would rather have to deal with an angry person than a bitter person. Because anger, you know, they flare up and they calm down. Bitter people, they just get angry. They get more devious, more hardened. Huh? Hebrews 12, 15 reads like this. See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See, with a bitter root, one will suffer personal re- re- rejection, personal loss. Huh? And we become bitter. So what do you do with bitterness? Confess it. And listen, if you've been alive long enough, you, we've, had a, we've had to face that point. I have, and I have to deal with it, that you got angry at somebody. And you, we may be justified in your anger. Okay? But the Bible is anger and, and sin not. See, when you don't recognize that, hey, this is going to create bitterness. I got to be careful. It could happen to me. As soon as you hit that, you have to confess it to Christ. And that doesn't mean you're wrong in the situation. You're wrong. No, I'm not saying it's not an issue of right or wrong. We're an issue. Don't let bitterness go into your heart. Especially if you're right. There's many times, most of the times when I'm bitter with somebody because I am right, but it's still, it's creating a bitter root in me. And I got to deal with that. Ask God for help. For everyone who, who asks, receives, and he who seeks will find. And to him who knocks, the door will be open. So you need to ask God. God, you need to help me with this. Because this person is getting, getting to me. And you, know, you know what I'm saying? Anybody? Think of that person. Don't look around. Just think of that person who's getting under your skin. And that person could create a bitter root. Right? Ask God to help you to accept the source of your bitterness. You don't have to praise God about it, but at least accept it. It's a part of your life. That person is going to be a part of your life. Whoever it is, accept it. Because huh? every situation will either make you bitter or better. You decide if you're going to be bitter or better. See, the persons that have gotten me to that point have actually made me a better person. Once I've dealt with it and came out of it, I've become a better person, and I can actually deal with more people. And it's like this. Man, I've dealt with this guy. I can deal with anybody. You, you actually build a, 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 a scaffold of, of tolerance. And then you, oh, I, could, I dealt with this sister. I could deal with anybody. It makes you stronger if you don't get bitter. But if you get bitter, the next person who reminds you of that person, you're not going to like them. You go, oh, that brother reminds me of this Oh, and, I, and I just hated that guy. And all of a sudden, you, 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 know, you don't want that relationship. Oh, that sister, she reminds me of that sister. Ooh, I know those kind of sisters, and I don't want nothing to do with them. And all of a sudden, your relationship quotient begins to shrink and shrink and shrink. Why? Because somebody, you allowed bitterness to stay in your heart. And now you're limiting the people who get near you. No one's going to hurt me again. Never! 
And so you eliminate 50% of people who could help you, make you better. Right? So you got to forgive everyone who has offended you. Forgive them. And when I say forgive them, doesn't mean you have to take them out to lunch. Just forgive them. You don't have to have coffee with them, but you have to forgive them. Ask God to heal you. Huh? Not only has God given us the power to forgive, but he, ha- he has the power to heal. Psalms 147.3, God heals the brokenhearted, and he binds up their wounds. And if I can th- give you any advice, this is the best one right here. Deal with it quickly. The quicker you deal with it, the better you- off you are. Right? you, you got to deal with it. Ephesians 4.26 and 27 reads, If you become angry... Don't let your anger lead you into sin. And don't stay angry all day. Don't give the devil a chance. Hmm? Take care of anger quickly. And lastly, I can say this, as I'm coming in for landing. Repay your offenders with kindness. People say, yeah, right. Don't, First Peter says, don't repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing. And I can speak to this perfectly. I have a perfect example, a recent perfect example. I'm, I'm doing some work in my backyard, and I have a wall that fell down. And you know how you have the, you're supposed to have the good neighbor, the, what do you call that, the neighbor, uh, some neighbor, when you, you have your fence, you both share, share the cost, what do they call that? They call the good neighbor policy. There's, a, there's some, some kind of term, and, and you split the cost, right? Well. I should say unfortunately, but I'm going to say fortunately. Fortunately, my neighbor doesn't want to help me at all. And he really decries everything I do. And I put on a nice wall. I've done all the work. And it's just getting, and I go, man, this guy's too much. So I use old brick, like blue, green, yellow, red, and, and just, just all different color. So I'm, and I, and, and I, I, you know, and you look on his side of the fence, it's all different color, psychedelic. <laughs> My side of the fence, I'm painted all one color, brown and right, nice. The scripture, bless your your enemies, right? So I went up to him. I was mad because I go, this guy won't, didn't give me one one bag of cement, and I I spent a lot of money. Oh, Jason knows. You know, I, I did a lot of work, a lot of work there. He didn't give me nothing. So I said, all right, I'm mad. And I'm like, okay, you're going to try to get me, devil. You're like, okay, devil, I got you, God. Devil, you're a liar. I went over there, I went up to him, and I go, look, what color? If you can get the paint and the primer, I'll paint your fence for you. And he looked at me like, he was all shocked. And I walk away, and I go, teach him to mess with me. <laughs> bless him. Bless, bless him. Right? Because the, that blessing made me stronger. I could have just allowed my flesh to get mad and, and just kept the wall all ugly and, 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 uh, to show you, but that would be the, the, the natural way to react. react. But Scripture is very clear. Repay your offenders with kindness. Hmm? And that's a reason. That's just, ha- not, not just happening. It's still happening. Amen? But you have to do that. Why? Because I don't want no type of root of bitterness in me. I want to l- use this situation to make me better. Does anybody want to be better? Huh. So we're talking about relationships. Now, that's a bad relationship. Now, a good relationship, as I'm coming in, you need to show empathy to people that, you, that, that are around you. 
Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Right? Show empathy. And you need to bring people into your life. And I'll say this. You need to risk saying to your friends, you're special. I mean, really. Somebody that you know, your buddy, you've been out, and sometimes I'm like, oh, I can't say that, man. They might think I'm weird. Well, maybe. But relationships are, are cured if one person steps out and takes a risk. You may feel funny, especially if you're not used to it, saying, you know what, you're special. I'm glad that you're, you're in my life, right? In fact, you're important to me. Now you're, especially for men, maybe women can have a harder, an easier time, I don't know. But, you know, for a man go, to go up to another man and say, hey, you're special. <laughs> you know, the man's going to say, hey, como cambiado? How you, what, what, what are you, how you changed? What's up with you, dude? What do you mean you're special? You okay now? Right? And it's kind of weird. But you know what? We have to get out of that machoism and say, you know what? I'm glad you're a part of my life. All of a sudden, that person might, at first might get shocked, like, whoa, that's heavy. But you, you, you break open a, a relationship possibility. Right? Because really, in fact, you are. You're special. That's why God thought you were so special, because he wanted somebody to worship him. Somebody to praise him. And he chose us. If that's not special, nothing is. He chose us. He goes, because he, he's love and he, and he wanted to share his love with people. But he wanted a people who would love him in return. So we have that opportunity. So you are special. Take a risk. Say, I love you. I care for you. Sometimes we have to be vulnerable if we're going to develop a relationship. Right? Because many of us don't, don't, don't come from affirming backgrounds. You know, my dad, he, I know he loved me. But he never once said it. You know, we're Mexicans, like macho. We don't say that. The closest he said, I, we were on a plane. We were flying. I was, I, was, I was joining the military. Right? And I never forget this. I, I, well, actually, I was in the military. I was, I was I, I, coming out of AAT. We were on a plane. And, and, and I go to my dad. Hey, dad. I love you. And he, my dad looked at me and goes, me too. <laughs> that was it. That was the closest he could come to it. Me too. But I looked at him, but I knew what I meant because that's not our culture. And that's, that, that's to, a, that's to a, the detriment of our culture, really. We have to be able to, to say these things and care about each other. So I'm very careful with my kids. I, I, don't, I don't allow that to come in. I still got my little, you know, neighborhood ways, but I'm very affectionate with my kids. Why? Because I know that it's not, uh, it wasn't taught to me. I had to learn it through the leading of the Holy Spirit. But not, and we just can't say that for our kids, for each other. You know, I look at the front row. These guys have got different backgrounds, and they're all hard, you know. You know, Robert, looks like he won't kill somebody. But, but, but I love that guy. That's my son, Dwayne. I love this man. I see what he does and the struggles. And Larry, Larry's been with me for 30 years. Larry, 25 years, a long time. Larry and Jose, they've been, they've supported me. They've seen me at my worst. Huh? And they're here. Martin, I'm going to tell you, Martin is a good man. It's just in him, and, and he didn't, nobody taught them that, that was in him, his mom or dad or something. He's a good man, and the devil tried to kill him 
try to kill him, to destroy him. And you know how I can tell he's a good man? It's in his DNA. Because that's a good kid right there. That's a, that's a, and I, it's in his DNA. But the devil's in that neighborhood that all try to distort it. He didn't have to experience that. Huh? But these are relationships that we need for, with each other. And there's nothing better than a church that says, you know what? I like going to church, although we might worship the Lord, but you know what I like going to church? Because I, I like fellowshipping with the people. I want to go over there and just eat a taco, have a hamburger. That, that's what I look forward to. So that's relationships. And that's what's going to build this church. Relationships. People don't hold bitterness. And listen, we're people. We're going to make mistakes. You might even get mad at me. I tell you in advance, I'm sorry. I'm human. But you got to give me the room to be human just like I got to give you the room to be human. And we grow to each other. We accept each other right where we're at. We're not perfect. We'll never be perfect. But we're trying. We're doing our best. And all I can ask is you to try. Try. No, no more conniving like Jacob and jiving. No. Let's get rid of that stuff. Let's be for real. Huh? I think uh, my wife or, or Jose said, we're talking about the home, that, that we love the home. Oh, yesterday at that, that, the event, we love the home. And we do. Because pastors, evangelists, leaders come out of this home. Right here. We ha- I have friends that are, the Philippine pastor came out of the home. And he's got a great work there. Two of them. Uh, they came through the home. The, the pastor in, in, in Africa, Chucky, came from the Hayward home, the home that I helped develop. He's pastoring in Africa. He's a men's home graduate. The pastor in Manchester came out of the London home with pastor. He, he was a dope. Him and his wife were doping, heroin addicts, hardcore. They got the biggest church in the outreach now. They're like a thousand members. They're busting out of the seams. Huh? Why? Be- and they came out of the homes. But it, it was relationships. They learn to develop relationships. That's why you can't have the whole, an understanding of the Holy Spirit unless you understand people. You have to have both. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. Paul was writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy. And I like what he, what he says. You can, you can see the the, the love that he had for his disciple. And he says, Timothy, in verse 3 of chapter 1, I thank God for you. He is the God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestor did. Night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again. For I remember your tears as we parted. And I will be filled with joy when we are together again. That's a relationship. That's just not a, just a disciple, a discipler. That's a, that's a father-son. That's a love that goes beyond human understanding. Hmm? So you're always meaningful to others when you encourage them. We need to take that meaningful posture and become great value to the Holy Spirit. You gotta, we have to do our best to see the very best in people, even though... They may not look so good right now. You got something against your brother and sister? Clear it up. It's time to clear it up. Huh. See, when, when a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, even his enemies are at peace with him. 
If God has spoken to your heart, we're going to sing this song. The altars are open.